the neutral. Feels right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard out at T-Mobile Arena as we get ready for Vegas and San Jose. The Golden Knights back in town after a six-game road trip. Jared Justice back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. I hope you're ready, Jared. Home of the... Whoa! Sounds like something grabbed him. little high pitch there, buddy, for the old woo. Might have to do some uh, deep breaths before we do that next time. Hey, nice to be back at T-Mobile Arena and getting ready for an even larger crowd. Largest crowd of the season expected tonight. Just under 4,000 as the Vegas Golden Knights and T-Mobile Arena will open the doors to 20% capacity. Looking forward to this one, and it couldn't happen uh, against a better opponent than the San Jose Sharks. It's been over 400 days since the San Jose Sharks last played at T-Mobile Arena. I'll get to the exact number in a little bit, but it's it's been an entire pandemic since the San Jose Sharks were last year, and then some. It's incredible, and I, th- I, I, I don't think... For the 20% that will be here tonight, any of the harsh feelings towards a few of those San Jose Sharks will have soothed at all. No, probably not. Like, and I've I've been banging this drum for a while that this rivalry is is not as hot as it used to be. It's not as as captivating as it used to be. Quite frankly, because the Golden Knights have dominated San Jose on the ice more often than not, but. That being said, I think in this building with 20% capacity, the fact that it's San Jose, it might feel a little bit like it used to. Well, San Jose's playing much better. Since the Golden Knights took the pair Mm -hmm. in San Jose and equaled the number of wins in San Jose as the Sharks had in San Jose at the time, uh, the Sharks have played increasingly better hockey. And the last three games, they've been on the positive side of things. And on the goaltending front, they've been more consistent. Eric Carlson has been looking much more like Eric Carlson. And up front, Evander Kane is playing his best hockey of the season. So if you get a team with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence, eh, San Jose's not quite quite to the swagger stage yet. They're more swag. They're swag. Uh, If they're at the swag but playing with more confidence, then we'll see how much they can push or feel like they can push back against the Golden Knights. Because you're right. Regular season-wise, yeah. this is as lopsided of a uh, interaction as you are going to get in professional sports. I, the Washington Generals have a better record against the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> during the regular season <laughs> than the San Jose Sharks do against the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, again, I would like to see this have a little bit more heat. I would like to see this rivalry kind of rekindle in a way where it almost feels like going into any game 
either team can win. But right now, just based on how the Golden Knights have, have really taken it to San Jose the last few meetings, it doesn't really feel that way. And I, I get what you're saying in terms of the Sharks playing better, in terms of maybe that that series, those two games against the Golden Knights, changed something for them. It, it woke them up, whatever you want to say. I still need to see them do it against Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like It's one thing to, to just kind of find your game away from your big brother, but when you go up against your big brother, it's still your big brother. And that's what the Golden Knights are to the San Jose Sharks right now. Sometimes he's just your older brother. In my family's case, my, my younger brother is my big brother. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's the one that wins all the didn't time. Skip, didn't skip too many meals over there. Know what I'm saying. Uh, the, wow. The, the Vegas Can Golden we get your Knights, brother on the show? Uh, no, we don't talk. Uh, <laughs> and and, and you, you might understand why <laughs> through, through I, that. That's, that's fascinating to me. <laughs> do you want to lie down? We can have a conversation about that. The, uh, and what, what I mean about San Jose playing better and maybe being able to put up a better fight is because they just feel good about themselves. And they might feel like they're ready to challenge. The, the first, the first game, Ryan, mm-hmm. that these teams played this year. Yep, it was close. It was a good hockey game. It was close. You know what the San Jose Sharks said after? We feel like we could play with that team. We did a good job sticking with that team. We were in the game. That's not where you want to be as a franchise. That's a great compliment to Vegas. But just saying you can play with them and not, hey, we should have won the game. We should have, we, we deserved a much better uh, result. Mm-hmm. Like, they were a long way away from that. Coming in with a little confidence tonight, let's see how much bite there is in the Sharks. I mean, are, are you getting a little, are you overreacting a little bit to two wins against Anaheim? Maybe. I mean, like, like that, like, okay. So I'm looking at the shark schedule. That, no, you're, the you're Golden right. Knights. They, they, they lose the two to gold to the Golden Knights. They win one against St. Louis, and then there's a couple days off. You get a little bit of practice time, and you route Anaheim in one, and you win the other one handily. Like, I, I feel like careful over there. All I'm saying is careful. I'm not gonna overreact to two wins against the Anaheim Ducks. Just tread softly. I'm not, Mr. I, High and listen, Mighty. Listen, I'm not saying that San Jose can't come in tonight and beat Vegas. Like, they can do that. Just because sure. they lit up Anaheim in a couple of games mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they can't do anything else against another opponent. I didn't say the, that. The Golden Knights just had a hard-fought couple of games against the St. Louis Blues, and through your tummy, out of your mouth, it was the San Jose Sharks who beat those same Blues right before they played Vegas. So let's just let's just ease off on the the games against Anaheim don't mean anything. I didn't say they didn't mean anything. I said, are you overreacting to them? No, you're not. No. If you would have just phrased it that way, then I would have given you a much quicker response. Wouldn't have tortured you and poked and yeah, you would have. No, you would have yeah, absolutely done that. Maybe. I mean, so a, what, what did you? There's think? a reason we don't talk between shows. I'm way too busy, for one. Fair point. And you have chores to do out in the homestead for two. Mm. And I find this dynamic works a lot better if we just show up and do our thing instead of the whole preamble. I don't don't get tired of you. Yeah. But but imagine if we did talk a lot, it would become stale. Yeah, it'd be terrible. Just show up, do our thing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad that that doesn't happen. Yeah, my wife wants that arrangement, too. I'm sure you guys just, can figure just something show up, out. Just show up, 
talk and and between between just, dealing with the kids, just select no interaction on on game days. Just you know, don't talk to her. Uh, she's in the car right now, probably listening too. Uh, <laughs> Vegas plays San Jose for two, and then it's a pair against the Los Angeles Kings before they get back into the heat of it. So this week's the quote have nots. Yeah. Really important to get back on the horse though, and and challenge and take advantage of these games. I think it's a huge plus tonight that it's the San Jose Sharks mm-hmm. being that first opponent after what was a crazy, goofy, book-worthy <laughs> road trip. From, and Pete DeBoer's talked about canceled hotels to false positives yeah. to a couple of losses right in the middle of it, one on national television. And you come out of it with those huge eight points out of 12. The natural reaction is, after just that one day off, is to, like, didn't, didn't you yesterday? Exhale and go, I don't have a game today. You're not playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did. Yep. Not playing. Mm-hmm. These guys, they got to get right back at it. I think that's that's the most difficult thing is, and more so than other years, is turning it around after a long road trip where mentally it's fatiguing mm-hmm. because they don't have anything to do and they're not allowed to do anything. And the pressure on everybody right now in this shortened schedule to turn it around when you get home and everybody's – with you and you want to be with your family you got to come out here and play the fans and the fact that it's san jose is huge for vegas tonight yeah i mean this is a tough game it's it's a tough spot from a scheduling perspective for the golden knights now i'm i'm very much encouraged by the the final game of that road trip against st louis i thought vegas played a a solid really really good 60 minutes to build on and really just Look back at that game, implement a lot of the same strategies that you had tonight, and you should be fine. But when you factor in the extra 5% in capacity that's going to be here in T-Mobile Arena, that's a huge boost for the Golden Knights. It really, really is. And then you you get a, a building full of people that absolutely despise the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be absolutely lit now, all night long. Do you think it might fire up the Sharks players Probably. too? It should. Playing in front of their biggest crowd of the year? It I don't should. know how often they played in front of anybody. Certainly not at home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it should. And it should Louis fire them up. St. Louis 7% capacity, like, so it's not much. Like, if I'm San Jose looking at this game, I, I want to come to Vegas and, and shut everybody up. That's the motivation. Like, you want to, you you have the opportunity to to come into Vegas and quiet the crowd. You know, here's a compliment. One of the greatest compliments the fans of Las Vegas and Henderson can be paid. Talk to two people outside of the division. One person inside the division. Mm -hmm. The person inside the division said, we can't wait. We hope there's more people by the time we get there. (laughs) This will be the second team to come through here with a crowd. So that team says, we hope there's more people when we come to town. The two buddies of mine that are not inside the West Division say we're so jealous of teams that get to go to Vegas because of that atmosphere. Even at a limited mm-hmm. amount, yeah. they were, are wishing that they could be here. That's the ultimate compliment to the folks about Even at 15 and 20%, other teams' personnel are saying, 
we, you know what? We wish if we could play outside our division, we go to Vegas. Not not for the normal Vegas stuff, but just to play in front of a cool crowd again. I mean, it's it's the destination. It's everything that's been built here over the course of of this franchise's history, and the fans are a huge part of it. The fans have have always been that extra boost, and I think especially during during this pandemic, especially when you kind of factor in what what we've seen out of 15 percent i can't wait for 20 percent like i can't wait to see how much different it feels and i think we're going to see a little bit more of that temperature rise tonight just because of the fans also because it's san jose do you feel more yourself today than over the last couple of weeks because of the two games against minnesota and having 15% 15% capacity, knowing that things are opening up around the Valley, knowing that the Henderson Silver Knights will have a crowd in attendance at Orleans Arena this weekend, 20% here tonight. I drive down into the into the downtown, into the Strip area. I call it downtown on Prairie. Uh, there's billboards up about shows that are back on, shows that are coming. I just have a different vibe. I... I don't know that I would say I feel more myself. I just feel like it's more normal today. Like today, same thing to me. Is more normal. Eh, I I don't know if it, I don't know if it really has much to do with me or how I feel inwardly, but uh, or internally. But I I'll say it's weird to feel normal, if that makes sense. It's like, exciting though. It, it, no, it is one hundred percent. But there's also a part of me that almost feels like it's it's not. It's not normal to feel normal. Like, it's been abnormal for so long that that's now the new normal. So now normal feels weird. I was at the office talking to a couple of buddies, discussing what they did in the weekend. Irish pub. Went to an Irish pub for a couple of cold beers. Yeah. You know what you do when you go to an Irish pub for a couple of cold beers around St. Patrick's Day? You do that when it's normal. Sure. We're not out of the woods, but it feels closer to normal. It does. No, like, it it. I find myself at times... Like, do the goats goats feel more normal? No. The chickens? They they don't know anything else. What else do you have out there? Weasels? Uh, Rabbits. Rabbits? Yeah. Children. 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 Yep. Was that on the air, or were you just in our ear? No, I learned. Do it on the air. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It only takes them one time. Only one time. Only one time. Only one time. Uh, No, I, I, I mean, I'm glad... Don't get like don't get me wrong. I'm glad to feel a sense of normalcy. Like I think everybody in the world kind of needs that right now. But it it is strange to me how much has changed over the course of this past year that what was once something we don't really think about that we take for granted often now all of a sudden feels different just simply because we weren't able to do it for so long. I just in the last couple of days it's turned a corner for me. Uh, the Golden Knights turned a corner on that road trip. Yeah. A Friday-Saturday tilt against the St. Louis Blues in the midst of a speed wobble. You're going great, and you're going and you're going great. All of a sudden, there's a little wobble, and the, the, the wobble was in Minnesota. And you know what it's like. Everybody knows that it's like whether you're on your bike or your car, and you're going too fast, and they get, how am I get? do you get control of the wheel? Do you get control of the bike? Or do you veer off? They got control of the bike. It's a very dark metaphor. You never wiped out in your bike hitting a speed wobble? No, no, I was really good on my bike. Jeff here, he hit a speed wobble on his skateboard. That wasn't pretty. Could have gone either way. 
I don't. He hit, th- the, he hit I don't, the ditch. I, no, 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 I don't think it was a speed wobble. I think he just fell. Huh. There's a difference between falling he didn't and a rescue speed it. wobble. They rescued it after the Minnesota game, and you, you, they rescued it in two ways. One was they scored a bunch of goals. Yep. And the other was coaching. Not just changing the lines, but Pete DeBoer outcoached Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues by one move. Vegas started their number one guy, mm-hmm. and St. Louis didn't. Well, I, I, I looked at that as a real indication of how important Pete DeBoer felt that last game was, right? Because, I mean, I don't think anyone in the world would have faulted Pete DeBoer if he would have gone with Logan Thompson as the backup, or at the backup Logan Thompson as the starter yeah. in that game. I don't think anybody would have. But I think Pete DeBoer, already realizing they're 500 on the road trip, saw that as an opportunity to get an edge in a game that they wanted to win. Do you know how many games Billy Husso's played in the National Hockey League compared to Logan Thompson? I think it's like eight. Nine. Nine? That was close. Nine. Nine. So it, it was, wasn't... It was eight going into it. Yeah. It's, it's not like... Huso had this great body of work. Sure. And they were going to. Yeah. It would have been almost like starting Logan Thompson. Yeah. And Pete DeBoer didn't. Now, everybody else had to play well. Mm -hmm. But you saw what Marc-Andre Fleury did in the back half of that game. And he nailed and locked that thing down. It won't look like it when you reflect on it. Multi-goal win, but huge performance on ju- the five-on-three, yeah. and then not to give up anything, any confidence in the St. Louis Blues. And I, I, I loved what, what Pete did with the third line and Nosek. I liked what he did in giving Cody Glass a night off and putting in Patrick Brown, who gives you good professional minutes. Just, just you, a hockey player. You know everything you're getting with him. And I, I enjoyed all of that. But it was the decision, the obvious decision mm-hmm. to me, to start your number one guy in a battle between two teams that at the start of the season you expected to be fighting for first place mm-hmm. and going into that weekend were in first place. Yeah, you had, you had an opportunity to create more distance. And, and I thought it was a great move by Pete DeBoer. And, uh, you know, you, you make that decision for a lot of different reasons, but I, I think – Robin Leonard kind of being on the cusp, being right there, as we expect he'll get, he'll, he'll be back mm. with this team in we'll terms get to of playing. We'll just yeah, a little bit. Exactly. That, you know what, you can kind of, I would say, ride Marc-Andre Fleury a little bit more right now, knowing that that reprieve is on its way. And I think that was the perfect opportunity to do that on that road trip, to, fi- to make sure that you leave above 500. I, in some ways, think it was easier to start Logan Thompson in the second game than it was to go back to Mark on Fleury, Andre Fleury in the Saturday night game. But here's here's where I'll go with the the positives yeah. of doing it. Yeah. One you won. Two, you widen your gap over them for, for top spot. Yeah. And three, it's really difficult if you're Pete DeBoer and I'm projecting myself as Pete DeBoer. You're not giving advice. I'm not giving advice. Okay, good. How do I, as a head coach, go into that room before every game and between every period and look them in the eye and say, I need the most I can get out of you 
no shortcuts. Then I come back in after the second and say, shortcut, no more of that. I cannot tolerate that. I can't, or great job, you sold out, outstanding job. How can I do that? Well, to why? my players, every game, between every period and post-game, ask my players to go to that end. If I'm not going to, when it's not a, when the decision's not made for me, to start a guy that's never played in the National Hockey League until 48 hours before. How, how do I do that? And look those guys in the eye when I go back to him and say, I need you to sell out. You can't. That's you can't. That's where I think the decision was made for Pete DeBoer. And, and it, but I, I think that, that game needing to be that type of performance shows you just how important those games are to Pete DeBoer, to this organization, to this team, this season. Mm-hmm. You, you don't make that decision against St. Louis any differently. You don't make that decision against Minnesota any differently or, I believe, Colorado any differently. You give yourself the absolute best chance to win night in and night out against those clubs because you know how important those games are. And that was a real glimpse into how important Pete DeBoer viewed those two spots, those two games specifically on this road trip. Now, Marc-Andre Fleury paid him back yeah. with a spectacular performance. Done that a lot. I know exactly what you were waiting to say. If he faltered, looks a little tired. Fatigue catching up to him. Start at 15 or 16. Yeah, I said that one you're, time. This guy. You're waiting. No. And you you wouldn't have been the only one. Well, I. But I mean, listen. I, the I goaltender made made a big big play for his coach. I would have probably added nuance to that situation because when Marc Andre Fleury had to be self isolating. Mm-hmm. wasn't on the ice so effectively there was there was a day kind of just away from the rink and i think when that thing no I, I know i think when that happens i wouldn't have had i didn't have any issue and it, like when it happened the 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 call to go to mark andre both games zero issue on my part going into it and had they lost one of those games there would have been zero issue going out because i think it made a lot of sense mark andre Fleury, you know what he got that day when he was waiting for the negative test results to come back after the false positive, he got my Mother's Day present that I give my wife every year. I get her a, a room somewhere, uh-huh. bottle of wine, yep. some food, some snacks, some crackers, make sure the Netflix, everything's working out fine. Yep. And I say, you go for 36 hours and just do whatever you want. Just be. Just, no, no not just be. Don't be here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, it works. Like, don't be around me. Don't be around the kids. Don't yeah. be around the pets. I get it. Just Sometimes it can be, it can be relaxing. It can be kind of just refreshing. Yeah, my birthday's coming up soon. Make sure you get that for me. Sure. Where were you, uh, where were you last week? You were on location. It sounded, oh. It sounded great. I was at Distill. It was awesome. Remedies? I I know I was at Remedies in uh, in in Henderson, then I was at Ti. Oh yeah, Remedies. Yeah, Remedies. Remedies was fantastic. Yeah. A lot of atmosphere there. I'm telling you, in listen as a listener, uh-huh. hearing you out there, yep, is another one of those. Oh, there's atmosphere. Yeah. There's stuff going on. Yeah. Jeff's out there turning knobs. 
It's going good. Uh, Robin Leonard turning heads today at practice. We'll give you the update as Marc-Andre Fleury has company on the ice at the Vegas Golden Knights morning skate in the form of the Panda. When's he coming back? Tonight? Wednesday? Friday? We'll give you a good idea as we roll on on the BGK Insider Show live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Fourth meeting of the season between the San Jose Sharks and your Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knights have won the first three. They were all in San Jose. Tonight, it's the San Jose Sharks on T-Mobile Ice for the first time in 480 days. It's a lot of days. <laughs> That's crazy. 480 days. The year's only like 365. I thought it was the way that you said 400 days earlier. I thought it was closer to 400 than 500, but it actually would have played better if you said almost 500 almost days. Almost 500. I didn't, I didn't want to oversell it. You should have. Yeah. 480 days. That's a lot of days. That's since, wasn't it game one of the regular season that they, were, that they played off? One and two, right? One and one and two. Yeah, two was back there. Two was in San Jose, so game one. Yeah, Yeah. they played each other three straight times, counting the preseason game. (laughs) And and I I told you this story. I left the rink. Yeah, and thinking after the uh, after the second game that that will never happen again. That that nobody will allow the the Golden Knights and San Jose Sharks to play each other three consecutive times. And what's going to happen in a couple of weeks? That'll happen. They're going to play each other three consecutive times, <laughs> only, and all three are in the regular season. Only they're all regular season games. A uh, little bit of a different uh, scenario. Nobody was seeing uh, the uh, total shutdown of the Mother Earth uh, coming, but that we're back on our feet. We're never ready to say go. never. We're ready to go as the Golden Knights try to extend their lead for first place in the West Division, and they've been largely successful because of Mark Stone has been brilliant, and Robin Leonard has given way to Marc-Andre Fleury, who has steadied, no, he has taken control of the bridge and guided uh, this team through rather choppy waters or could have been choppy waters at times. Now Robin Leonard is on his way back. He was with the team at morning skate today, and Pete DeBoer was ready to be asked about what's the status of the Panda. One of the strengths of our team you know, we felt going into the season, it would be a huge advantage of us, uh, uh, for us to have two guys like this. When you look around the league and you see the teams that either can't play two guys or, you know, injuries have uh, compromised that, uh, it gets really tough. So uh, great that he's back, great luxury to have over the last uh, 25 games to, to make sure, uh, you know, we've got two fresh energized starters come playoff he is robin leonard still on ltir that long-term injury reserve but the fact that he practiced with henderson last week and then was on the ice with the big club today gives you an idea that it's closer to returning to action whether that's wednesday or friday i can't tell you for sure it won't be tonight no no, it, it won't be tonight. Marc-Andre Fleury, it, it would appear, is going to go tonight for the Golden Knights. And, and you know, when, I, when it comes to Robin Leonard, I feel like you need a couple more practices just with the Golden Knights. So I would say 
Friday, Sunday, kind of at the earliest. And I think that when you kind of look at the schedule. That's if, L.A., in L.A. In L.A. You give Robin Leonard until Sunday, he should be ready to go and, and able to step in and give you the type of performance you're looking to get from Robin Leonard. That's three more starts, I, potentially, for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and I think that given the workload, it might be it might be tough, but if you manage Flurry correctly this week, and I have no doubt that they will, I think you can kind of get away with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if when Robin Leonard gets back, if he gets that first game and he looks sharp and he looks good, maybe you have Robin Leonard play two games in a row just to give Mark Andre a little bit of an extra breather before going back into your rotation. Tonight is the halfway point of the season. Game They're already game twenty six. Wow. So 26 games <laughs> from Wednesday on. Yeah. If you split it, that's 13 each. Sure. If you split it. Yeah. That means from Wednesday on, Marc-Andre Fleury may not get as many starts as he has in this stretch of if he plays tonight 16 and 17. What a goofy season. Like what, 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 a, what a crazy, ridiculous goofy season and what an interesting stat that is i you know what i i have no doubt though like that's that's the plan right you're going right back into the rotation oh yeah absolutely because you have to get mark andre more rest than what he's been getting lately unless you, you just send him to uh the bahamas and for, say for just like a week chill chill out just for a week chill out mark andre is the only one that gets a bye week atlantis <laughs> going down the water slide atlantis <laughs> You know that like might just, not, we don't we don't care what you do just don't be here. Yeah, that might uh, that might be a great strategy. Why don't you pitch that? <laughs> Was I the only one that imagined him in my head in full pads going down the slide? <laughs> no, <laughs> through through the tunnel with the sharks. <laughs> That's exactly what I see. Uh, I wonder if they'll give him any type of time away from the team. I doubt it. Like okay, so you you brought up something interesting when the Golden Knights Thank were. You. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> when they were when, when we were trying to figure out when Oscar Dansk might get into a game, right? Mm. You said, well, if, oh, it's, yeah. if it's me, I would just go with Dansk and and Logan Thompson as the backup. Yeah. Like, just give Mark Andre the complete day off, away from the rink, mm. all that stuff. When Robin Leonard comes back, do you think? Great idea. Do you think you just give Mark Andre a game that game completely off? It's Robin Leonard, Logan Thompson, or Robin Leonard and Oscar Dance. Great idea. And that's where you go with it. I, I'd be absolutely fine with that. I don't know what about Mark Andre. Yeah. I don't know about Pete DeBoer. You get back to that whole. Do you want you dress the best possible lineup? Sure. That yeah. that debate. But in watching teams like Carolina and Toronto and Philadelphia. I don't think it's a it's a bad thing, yeah, at, at all. Uh, in fact, I think it's something that we may see more and more in the next few years as teams experiment and exper have experimented with it this year. But yeah, uh, I, I'd, I'd be all for it. I'll, I'll ask uh, next time I get a chance to just to the side to to talk to some of the coaches yeah. about that and, and float that out there because there's something to be said if if you can get two say there's so tomorrow's uh, a day off for the team. Sure. Okay. Yep. If if everything was equal and tonight was that situation where Robin Leonard was going to start and you you dressed 
Logan Thompson as the backup, mm -hmm. you get two complete days off for your for your athlete. Massive. Yeah. Now, I also wonder in these this stretch of 27 games now over the next eight weeks, and that's what you have. You have eight weeks left in the season. Yep. Whether there will be any load management decisions being made in April. And there are, I did, did it last night, I went through the schedule. There's one week where they play five games, which is unheard of. There's no way that's happening outside of a pandemic. It's just not allowed. <laughs> Nobody would ever agree to that. So one week where there's five games. Yeah. There's uh, another couple. Uh, well, there's four. So five, oh, five that there's four games. So so okay. And then a three game, two couple of two gamers. So there's there's a four game week leading into a five game week, and then on the other side of that five game week mm -hmm. is a four game week. It's it's incredibly condensed. In you April. have a five game week. You have five four game weeks, and you have two three game weeks. You know I me mean? the the most number of days off they have between now and the regular season. End of the regular season. The next eight weeks is they have one two-day break. Yep. So load management could come into this, and I think it starts with your goalie and, and works its way. The, the blue line has actually kind of worked its way through. Sure. It's it, a natural load management yeah. process because of, of injury. Yeah. Uh, Alec Martinez played every game, but Patrangelo, McNabb, and... Theodore have all had time away from the rink. Now, it's not time that they wanted, but sure. time away from the rink yep. and, and, and the body where they were healing. Uh, the kids are the kids. So well, up front, we'll see. Well, I mean, you you heard Pete today kind of mention, talk a little bit about Cody Glass, and you also heard Pete talk last night after the game about Patrick Brown and kind of what he brings to the table. And as much as that was for Cody Glass to kind of sit back, watch a game, just kind of allow the the just just take a take a breather yeah. right a lot of it also has to do with you need some fresh legs every now and again and i thought when when you look at patrick brown and just that north south hockey exactly what you expect to get out of him you got out of him energy like you're gonna i think you're going to see more of that just spotting guys in when you can and trying to 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 get a little bit of energy at different parts of the lineup when you need it so do they start doing that with their top guys? That's a, I think, you know, it's so hard because I think it's a good strategy and I think it's something that's important as you get closer and closer mm -hmm. to the finish line. But I also think that y you have to make sure that it doesn't cost you in terms of the standings. Like if the Golden Knights can continue to take care of business right now, mm. they can continue to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and go a little better than 500 against the top of this division, then I think by middle of April, you can start picking and choosing your spots to, to the point where you don't think it's going to hinder your chances of winning the division. Because I think winning the division, home ice advantage, it's going to be important, especially when you consider the restrictions and, and, and loosening of restrictions here and getting getting to have more home games in the playoffs in front of these fans, I, I think as long as the Golden Knights can set it up in a way where it's not going to cost them, 
valuable standings points or they're going to lose out on home ice advantage, then I think you start playing around, pick and choose. Little Rick Springfield on the old uh, soundtrack. Here. You're a big fan. I am. It's kind of my theme song. I've done everything for you. You've done nothing for me. <laughs> I don't feel like that's an accurate statement, but okay. Uh, good news of the day is coming up, and we'll also bring you some sound from today's uh, morning skate. Uh, more from Pete DeBoer. Jonathan Marchessault was at the podium uh, talking about uh, a few different uh, elements around this hockey club. And uh, one-timers in our number two has some stats from the other divisions and how things are stacking up. Do we have any idea right now at the halfway point of this season who the best defenseman is in the National Hockey League? Hmm, I have a guess. If you were gonna, do you want me to tell you? If you were going to vote, you'd probably go with somebody from Florida. I think it's. I think there's two people in Florida that make a lot of sense. So it's a goaltending is one. Sure. Hart Trophy is another. Yeah. Where you kind of have your usual suspects, and then Patrick Kane <laughs> jumps up. But, hold, hold, hold on. But who, defenseman. Hold on. Who are your usual suspects right now for the Hart? Well, McDavid, Drysidle, okay. Kane, okay, Matthews, okay. Stone's not there for you. You have to be top seven in points for the Hart Trophy. That is an arbitrary cutoff, my man. It is. That is an arbitrary cutoff. It is. Top seven. Why not just go top five, then? If you're going to do top seven, you just... myself some wiggle room, okay? <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm on weird, the record. man. I'm on the record saying to win the Selkie, <laughs> you have to be top ten in points. Because yeah, you have to ten be, is a good ten is a good. Where, where do you think? Hold on, hold on. Where do you? You have to be where, right there. Where do you think Mark Stone is? Is he eighth? He's tied yeah. for. <laughs> he's tied for eighth. Yeah. No, no, no. Hold and, on. And he's hold on. on. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> he's on a heater. He's on a real heater right now. Hey, well, I would love. To, he's he's actually Darren. <laughs> Um, he's actually tied for seventh in so scoring right six. now. You got to be a top six type guy. Top he's, six. he's legitimately right now tied for seventh in scoring. I thought the number was set at six and a half. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. You said you have to be top seven. <laughs> uh, you arbitrarily picked the number you thought Mark Stone was outside of, and he's actually right there. He doesn't I, want to seem like a homer. No, I, Look, I don't I, think it's a homer I, thing. I think there, that he, he merits conversation. There's nothing. There's nothing more than I would like to say. Mark Stone, Hart Trophy candidate. Nothing more. But he's not there yet. Well, he's right on your arbitrary I mean, like, cutoff yeah, point. Yeah, not there yet. You just say it. Like if you if you want to say something badly, just say it. This he's is knocking a, on the door. This is now, America, Selkie, man. Selkie, you have to be top ten in points and be really good in your own end defensively. He's like there's so he's gonna, there's no doubt he's, he's, so he's the favorite right now. Oh, he's gonna lose it to Barkov. Come on. Yeah, I don't think so. I and hope not. I, I don't think he should. The amount of love that the Golden Knights are getting around the league right now, partly because of Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. So more people are talking about that story, mm -hmm. which filters down to Mark Stone being the first star of the week, which filters down to being a first-place team, uh, generates more conversation. Uh, Selkie, right now he's your leading guy by... Not a considerable margin, but he's got the edge. Hart, there's more more to do. 
Way if he continues the way he is right now, like in March, yeah, yeah, he'll be in the mix. He's in the mix right now. I'm saying he's in the mix right now. I, I'm not saying he's a top front seven, runner, but I think he's in the mix right now. <laughs> top Will you seven. be quiet over there? Hey, Darren, go a little higher on your arbitrary numbers next time. You, you have to. What did I but, say? Top seven? Yeah, you said top okay. seven. You've got to be, you gotta be in top it. seven in scoring. He's top seven in yeah. scoring. You know, that, it's that, really that hard to go out. It's really hard to go out the top, outside of the top five for, a, for an MVP. Like, you can't, you can't sit there and honestly say that you're going to vote for somebody outside the top five. You can't. I extended a little bit. So McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kane, Marner, and Matthews are your five right, right now. Right now, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think based on what... Based on where Chicago is, I agree with you. I don't know how you go against Patrick. I agree Kane with you at this point. Like I said it on the podcast last week, that, he's the that, guy that he is. He is number one, and the odds. We did the odds, and they've they've dropped in half from about three <laughs> weeks ago. If if you put money on Patrick Kane to to win the Hart Trophy, people are jumping on that right now. And and if he's within, he does not have to finish one, two, or three in points. He's a guy that could finish fifth in points and still and still win the Hart Trophy. Well, he's because, not. because of what's on his shoulders. He, now, the comparison to Mark Stone, look at the team. No, I, I think that's where Patrick Kane, in my eyes, has the, the edge on Stone, where he's got the edge on even Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. because at least Connor has Leon, at least Leon has Connor. Like, Patrick Kane... Is is literally doing everything mm-hmm. right now for Chicago, and it's not just Marner, the goals. Matthew, same thing. Exactly, it's not just the goals, it's not just the points. It's the leadership, and I think that's something that Patrick Kane this year is finally getting some credit for. I think it's been there for a couple of years, but you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying in, in terms of sorry. credit. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. I jumped on that too yeah. quickly. Yeah, please accept my apology. No, you have to accept my apology. I don't have to do anything. You, uh, is is Mark Stone the MVP of his team? That's tough. See, there, that's tough. There, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so upset about Mark Andre Fleury garnering some attention for the heart as well. But for me, like, it's it's tough to say. I think Mark Stone mm-hmm. has certainly been the MVP when it comes to to skaters. Best skater. The, yeah. But but Mark Andre Fleury has arguably arguably been the best player, best best goalie, best everything. So. I mean, it's tough. I'm just saying. I think Mark Stone deserves mm-hmm. to be in that conversation. He's he's there on the periphery, but he's he's, he's the, he meets your arbitrary standards by a smidge. The good news he's of there. the day, plus uh, more Pete DeBoer ahead of this game against the San Jose Sharks, will be the first this first game with like like total free for all fireworks. We're not going to go down that path again in building it up because we always fail. We'd rather be uh, at this point just soften our hype of this one and then uh, and then talk about it after and then uh, we'll go around the national hockey league with news and notes uh, one-timers it's the vgk insider show live from t-mobile arena halfway point of the nhl regular season on fox sports las vegas it's time for the good news of the day on the vgk insider show Good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. You know, that's the most produced bit we have on the show. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's 100% (laughs) that. That's good news. Uh, But it was reported last week that large-scale venues in Nevada would be eligible to up their capacity for percentage from 
20% to 50%. For the Golden Knights, it means somewhere in the ballpark of 9,000 fans soon eligible to be here at T-Mobile Arena. Now, obviously, the team's got to apply to, to be able to do that, but well, as... You can put people in the stands, but they, you still have to maintain, maintain this. social distancing. Yeah, so yeah. can you do how many? Like 50% is 9,000, but yep. how many can you do it with social distancing? It may not be 9,000. Right. So when we, when we look at, and as we've mentioned it, as we've talked about throughout this show, just where we are today, I don't know that I really imagined mid-March, especially after turning the page on 2020, that this is kind of where we would be, right? Like, I, I was very much in a, in a headspace that empty arenas was probably going to be what we were going to get this year. This is just continuing to be better and better news every single week that we seemingly move in this direction. I, I still can't believe that in the course of a pandemic, the Vegas Golden Knights launched another hockey team. Yeah. Like, that, that too. like that's bizarre, unbelievable, and... Wow, pretty darn impressive. Henderson Silver Knights uh, will play before fans this weekend, so it's great. It's great stuff. That was the good news of the day, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. Coming up next, it is Pete DeBoer talking about this encounter with the San Jose Sharks and one-timers on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Game 26 of the National Hockey League season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that is significant in this year, your Lord, 2021, because it is the halfway point of the National Hockey League campaign. The Golden Knights are in first place, and tonight they will face their nemesis, not really, rival, mm, not that either, a uh, team that they have uh, some history with. The San Jose Sharks uh, trying to run their record head-to-head -head against the Sharks to 4-0. Darren Millard along with... Ryan Wallace here at T-Mobile Arena getting set for this one. It's a 7 o'clock face-off. The pregame show comes up in just over an hour with Ryan getting ready for uh, a return to home, a brief two-game homestand against the Sharks, and then it's uh, back on the road, uh, a week that will feature two more games against the Los Angeles Kings. But what you saw on the road trip, success, acceptable, or beyond what you hoped? Well, I, we talked about the road trip before the Golden Knights went on it. I said 500, I'd be happy. So eight, eight points out of 12 is better than 500. So therefore, it's beyond what I expected. It's, it's, it's certainly a successful road trip for the Golden Knights. It's one in which, you know, they probably could have gotten more than what they got. They probably could have gotten reasonably 10 points out of the 12, especially when you consider the performance that Marc-Andre Fleury put in in that first game against Minnesota. Uh, that being said, I'm taking 8 of 12 every single time if I can get it on a six-game road trip. Two road sweeps start off with a pair of wins against the San Jose Sharks in Santa Clara County. 
And then you follow it up with a couple of victories against the St. Louis Blues to end the road trip. In sweeping the Blues, you pick up the first victories ever by your franchise yep. against the Blues. Eight of 12 points. You go out on the road in first place. You return in first place. That is a really solid road trip, bordering on excellent because of what you had to endure in the middle of it. Mark Stone missed action. Mm -hmm. Alex Petrangelo was knocked out of the lineup. You had a false positive to your star player in Marc-Andre Fleury, and you were booted out of your hotel mid-nap uh, to kick things off. Pretty impressive poise by this hockey club and uh, an exceptional level of depth. 100%. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of the key there is is you look at the Golden Knights and their ability to to find different guys that were able to step in and contribute. I know it's in a losing effort, but Dylan Coughlin really did step up in that Minnesota game, at least made it close for the Golden Knights, really was a catalyst for that push. And then the next game sets up Tomasz Nosek for a goal. You're getting those contributions from those guys, and we have to talk about Tomasz Nosek. We have to talk about uh, Alex Tuck and Nick Waugh together with Nosek and how dangerous they've been at times since being put together. Bottom six, top six used to be the standard when you talked about your forward units. Yep. In the last couple of years, it's gone to more top nine and then your energy group, yep. your fourth line. That's where Vegas would like to be. Mm -hmm. In a perfect world, they would like a top nine. Still searching for that magical combination for the third unit. But Alex Tuck's performance with the 13 goals this year. Does that offset the lack of production from the other two players on that unit and give them a bona fide third line? Or do you still need to see more from that threesome? It's a it's a work in progress still. Like I think that there's a lot of room to continually grow on that line. You just have to have guys that can bring it night in and night out. I think what we're seeing from Alex Tuck this season is a more consistent effort in terms of his ability to contribute offensively, but also what he's done defensively, using his legs to really to make a difference on the game in that way. What I want to see personally is the third line with with Kwa and Alex Tuck and Tomasz Nosek or Cody Glass be afforded the opportunity to grow as one. I like Wa a lot with Tuck. I think that those two guys feed off of each other so well, especially in the neutral zone. I want to see those two players together, regardless of who might be in the middle, because I think there's something there between those two. I ask you the question about Tuck overshadowing or putting more weight into his 13 goals and taking away any need to have offense from the other two. Because I don't know how many teams have their leading goal scorer playing on the third line. And, that, and that's what Alex Tuck is right now, along with Max Pacioretty at 13. So yeah. that there's, there's, if, if they all had seven goals, would you say that's a great line? Well, no. What I, yeah, I mean, what I want to see you is, would, is I, I want to see, see production from Nick Waugh, and I want to mm. see production from Tomasz Nosek, and I want to see production from Cody Glass outside of just his power play numbers, and I want Alex Tuck to have 13 goals because that's when you become – a great team that is a matchup nightmare. 
Like, I think that's what the Golden Knights are after when it comes to that third line. What would you do with Nosek tonight? Would you leave him on the third I, line? I leave him on the third line. They've looked really good. What would you do with Cody Glass? Well, I think that depends on Chandler Stevenson. Okay. Right? Like, if Chandler Stevenson isn't able to go, and, and there's he didn't he didn't take morning skate game time decision. If he can't go, I, I go Cody Glass with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, and I hope that this game leads to that that confidence boost at five on five for Cody Glass. Might just be the perfect situation to do that. I agree. I like listen, I'm Pete DeBoer has been right more often than he's been wrong when it comes to lineup tweaks and changes. And if you've got an opportunity because of whatever the case, Chandler Stevenson can't go tonight, mm. you have an opportunity to get Cody Glass minutes with two of your best players, give him the opportunity. Sports is funny, isn't it? Well, it's, just, yeah. it's really strange how it's unpredictable. So Cody Glass is taken out of the lineup for rest, perspective, yeah. young player, cutting his teeth, give him, give him an opportunity mm -hmm. to just back away. Decompress. So he watches Tomas Nosek go in and be great on the third line. Yeah. And that third line is better than it had been the last couple of games. So he's, in effect, kind of loses his job for, for a bit. Sure. But because there's an injury on the top line, Cody Glass goes from being bumped, slides all the way over to potentially centering the top line mm -hmm. and nobody's complaining about that because it's a great opportunity for the, the kid the, the two star wingers love playing with him yeah. and you can get him going and, and Pete DeBoer has to make that decision but in a way it's kind of his, his two options are you slide everybody up mm -hmm. like Carlson goes the first line and Nosa goes the second line and and, and Glass would center the third line, or you take Glass from the outside and put him in the top. It's it's uh, it's logical. Yep. It's a good decision, and it's almost one of those like the hockey gods make it for you. One hundred percent. And and I think that especially when you consider that Cody Glass was on the outskirts the last game, it's an immediate confidence boost that your coach yeah. goes back to you and you in that spot specifically, like. If it ends up working out that way, this is a huge opportunity for Cody Glass to really take advantage of playing with two great players that he's got some chemistry with already because of their time on the power play. And I think that you you just need that, that aha moment, that confident building moment for Cody Glass in this league at five on five. And then all of a sudden, I think he's gonna take off. I think, I think it's there, I think really close. Yeah, I think there's been little snippets of it. Right, and it's just, it's going to take time, and I think we all are, are, are coming around to and understanding that, but I think, I think he's close. I really do. I really do. This might be the opportunity he needs. But there's also pressure that if, if he goes between those two, yeah, there's pressure to produce. Well, there, there is, but I mean, th that pressure is going to be felt not just by Cody Glass, but by the rest of his line. And when you look at what Mark Stone's done, when the when the moment's been just a little bit no, bigger, you know what I mean. I, no, I get it. He gets the golden opportunity. I, I hear better you. make it work. I, I hear you. I, I do. But I also think you're going to get just 
a little more out of Mark Stone and a little bit more out of Max, out of Max Pacioretty because those guys have been there. They know what it's like to be in that type of position as a young kid. They're going to give everything that they have to make it successful with Cody Glass. Different looking line, Chandler Stevenson and, and Cody Glass. Yeah, absolutely. It's, You've got the flat-out burner speed yeah, yeah. of Chandler Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Good face-off guy, too. Yep. Now, Glass, his numbers in the dot are better at this point of his career than I thought they would be. Sure. I, would, I thought yeah. it would take a little bit longer. It, and and his game is playing catch-up. Funny, because I thought his game would be ahead of his of his face-off percentage, but it, it's it's kind of reversed right now. Uh, more, more skill, more... Uh, moving the puck, uh, you want to go east-west, call it that. You want to call it dipsy-doodly, sure. call it that. Yeah. Uh, but the DNA of that line is transition north-south, mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to stay t- closer to that than the default that Glass comes in with, with all the skill. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's, but it's, I don't. It's, I don't want to see the the '80s Oilers out there, <laughs> but doing all that. No, no, no. But it's, I mean, it's hard because you know you're taking away an attribute in Chandler Stevenson and his speed that is is very difficult to replicate if you mm-hmm. just don't have that. Not very many players have that type of speed. And, and no, but Patrick's goal the other night, that was him just going up. The no, Chandler Stevenson was chasing the game in the puck and was was on his heels. Yeah, but that was. That was transition offense from Pacioretty. Absolutely. I, I'm t- I mean, there are, there are different things that Chandler Stevenson's speed does for that line and opening things up for Pacioretty and for Mark Stone. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited if it comes to be, if Cody Glass ends up between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, I'm very much curious and excited to see what they can do throughout the course of the game. Here is Pete DeBoer and Jared back at the shop. This is cut four on Chandler Stevenson and his prospects for suiting up tonight. Yeah, Chandler will be a game time decision. I just didn't skate this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, if he can't go, then it, it's a great opportunity for Cody Glass. He uh, sat and watched last game. He's got a chance to jump in uh, with some pretty good wingers tonight and he should he should have a ton of energy. I can't overstate enough the value in Cody Glass's potential that Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone want to play with him. Oh yeah, that they are. It's not just the top hotshot prospects coming in and being put with them. They they want to play with him. Drumline's doing their thing. In case you haven't heard, the drumline is rehearsing. Because the drums moved or something in the last, well, it's been six games. They got to be tight, man. I'm like, what? Why are you complaining? No, I was just gonna say, this never happens in any other rink, and you kind of get used to it after a while that there's uh-huh. a, a drum line. Yep, it is one of the coolest things about coming to T-Mobile. They go up there and just do their thing. It's wild. The first time I came to a couple of games here, it was. What are they doing over there? Can you do that? Drum? Yeah. No. I'm not coordinated enough for that. Can you? I can do the ones where, like, it's big and you got the hammers on the side. Yeah, the bass drums? Yeah. Yeah, I can can do do that. that. Yeah, I can do that. Well done. Without hurting myself. I can't do anything percussive. 
Like, I can't play the drums. I can't play the piano. The guitar is fine, but, like, I can't do anything. Oh, really? You're a guitarist. Yeah. yeah. From time to time. Oh, a little dabble here Backslap there. there. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury expected to go tonight. Uh, let's get back to Pete DeBoer. Cut number one, Jared, on Marc-Andre Fleury's workload from the head coach. Well, you know, I, I think we started talking about it seriously, you know, prior to this trip. We started Oscar Dansk, uh, a game to give him a little bit of a breather. Uh, you know, we went on the trip and, and um, you know, he feels good. You know, let's be honest, we're not at game 60 or 70, we're at game 25. So, um, you know, that benefits us, I think. Uh, you know, some of his starts have been easier than others, which benefits us. And that's just something we're monitor- monitoring every day. If, if we felt he was exhausted today, we would uh, go with a backup. I think Lenny's getting very close. Uh, he's going to reintegrate with our group this week. And then he'll be considered day-to-day once he gets a couple practices in with our group and should be uh, ready to go. And, and uh you know, and then and then it's going to be important. You know, over the last 25 games, it's going to be important to to get that work to to rest ratio uh, right for our goalies. Pete DeBoer on the goaltenders. Drumline continues their thing. Is, is that Brent Burns down on the Sharks bench? One um, of the Sharks players is just going going at it on the drumming. It very well may be. I'm not sure I can. You'd think you could tell with the, with the beard, for well, sure. But yeah, I don't see a beard, though. That's the problem. Yeah. With the mask, you can't really tell. But he's, he's, he's right in tune with the drummers. It's a right-handed shot. <laughs> That's all I know. Playing uh, playing shinny on the bench. Wait a minute. Maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I've actually never seen that before, where a player <laughs> pretends to stick handle up and down the bench, <laughs> juking and jiving <laughs> to the drum line. Just feeling it right in now. In his warm-up track suit and... Watching the ice crew uh, Guys, do their thing. Cup your hands and go, yo, yo, Brent, Brent, is that you? Come and on, see Darren. If, see, yeah, Darren, see, if he, see if he looks. I don't think it's Brent Burns. It's not. No. There's oh. no beard. No. no long hair either. And again, we're, we're at the home end of the rink. So if people are wondering why we can't tell. Uh, <laughs> one, I have terrible eyes. Uh, and, I've, and I've downgraded my uh, nearsightedness. To, to read uh, this is up close. But, one but of the that, most wild pregame ceremonies I've ever seen. I wonder uh, if if the AT&T side, if they're shooting this at all. Because you're right. I've We've seen plenty of rituals where guys <laughs> go out and they, they do eye exercises or they sort of get into the zone meditation. But this particular San Jose Shark is wobbling back and forth like <laughs> you would during a national anthem <laughs> at one gate. And then jogging down to the other gate as uh, as they would stick handle up the ice yeah it's uh, it's a little different if uh, i'm you know what i'll do wednesday, <laughs> there it goes again stick handling up down the ice i'm gonna get our crew on wednesday to to record this yeah. and see if uh see yeah. if see if it happens again and and we'll see if we can uh, get it out uh, uh onto the tv audience but the san jose sharks so uh, come into this one with a little bit more confidence than they had the last time they faced the the vegas golden knights mm-hmm. vegas goes out in the road and comes back in first place. We're in that uh, that area of running the table. I know they fell out of top spot when they were during their, their COVID pause, but since they've been playing, it, it, I'm close to calling this wire to wire. Well, I already, t- I already told you, points percentage you can, so just go so with points that. percentage, yep. you're wire to wire. Yep. And now you've got this 
stretch of games against clubs that are outside the, the top four. Opportunity to make something happen statistically. Opportunity for Cody Glass to get going. Uh, we'll see if Shea Theodore can carry over his level of play from Saturday night because it, it looked like a much more confident Shea Theodore yeah. on Saturday than we saw earlier in the week. Yeah, I, I think certainly scoring a goal in, in that game in St. Louis helps his confidence just in terms of that area of his play. But I, I think that Shea Theodore over the last couple of games has started to remind me of what Shea Theodore was doing before he got hurt earlier on this year. I just, yeah. He just hasn't really looked himself since coming back, but he's getting there, and that's that's encouraging for Golden Knights fans. I wonder, he, he, was, he was paired with Alex Petrangelo for a number of games. Yeah. And I wonder whether he was playing the safe role during that stretch. I, it, it almost feels like he would have had to have played that role, right? Like, it just... I would hope that there would be more balance I, I think, yeah, I, I think that in that situation, I think Shea Theodore becomes your your safety valve on that pair. You let you let Alex Petrangelo kind of do what he does, and you know that Shea Theodore is going to be able to to mask any of any of the issues that might arise in terms of odd man rushes the other way. So then Petrangelo leaves, and a couple of games later. They're, they're always talking. They're always looking at video. They're discussing the uh, previous game with the players. I wonder if there's a little nudge given to Shea Theodore. Just go out there and, and, and hang loose. Be you. Be you. Yeah. Think that happen? Because it, it kind of looked like that switch was thrown. He just, he just looks, to me, just more like himself. Assertive. Lately. Yeah, assertive in the offensive zone. Assertive when he's when he's got pucks in his own zone. Like I've I've in, I've liked where Shea Theodore has been the last couple of games. I hope he continues to build and improve on it. Braden McNabb was also a revelation on that trip, returning to the lineup. And those those two games, I know he threw the big hit in Colorado uh, against the Minnesota Wild, but the two games in St. Louis really impressive. As, as noticeable as I've seen Braden McNabb at both ends of the ice. Yeah, there were a couple of, of pockets where he jumped into the play and really did create some offensive looks. I, I think, you know, you, you have Braden McNabb on the ice. You've got Dylan Coughlin paired up with him. And, and I think there's something to be said for Braden McNabb getting to play the role of the veteran on that line that, that can kind of be that steadying presence and really take control over things. And we saw, I think, the, uh, a better Dylan Coughlin because of it, but also a better Braden McNabb because of it. And I think that there's a lot uh, a lot of interplay between those two players and, and just kind of where they're at in their careers and what their styles bring to the table that complement each other. When we talked to Dylan Coughlin last week after he scored his hat trick, one of the things that he mentioned Called to that, us... that, by the way. Yes. You're welcome. Congratulations. I like it. You'll have something delivered to your house if we can find it. Uh, Dylan Coughlin mentioned communication, that Braden McNabb's really big on talking, yeah. being being loud out there. And uh, Pete DeBoer was talking about Coughlin and McNabb today. And, again, about that combination. Uh, this is cut number three, Pete DeBoer on Coughlin and McNabb playing together. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big I'm a big believer in the uh, veteran with a young defenseman uh, set up. I think uh, 
I think the veteran presence and the communication is key for young defensemen. Even, you know, I know Theo wasn't a rookie last year, but I think playing with Martinez, uh, you know, really helped. So, you know, to have Naber back, uh, his physical presence, the way he, he backs people off physically, but also, you know, his veteran presence from a communication point of view with, with Cogs, I think has been uh, key. And Cogs on, on his uh, part has done a good job of using his best assets, which, which are his feet, uh, in order to skate and, and get himself out of the trouble. I, I get the sense from, from listening to both Pete, Dylan Coughlin, and Braden McNabb mm -hmm. in separate conversations that the communication is the one thing that they are trying to establish and improve on the most. And it's been good. It's been really good so far. Mm -hmm. But being like being alpha out there and really taking control uh, and, and talking is a real understated important part of that position. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, communication is so vital, especially when, when you've got those, those moments where split-second decisions have to be made, and, and the more you can communicate to your defensive partner on what to do and where to go with the puck, the easier it becomes to, to kind of execute your job. And, and when you've got Braden McNabb out there, who's been through a lot in this league and, and really is a presence on the ice, I think that, that only is going to go to settle down Dylan Coughlin and get the most out of his game. And we've seen it work a couple of games in a row. Strange, though, that uh, Dylan Coughlin gets freed up to do more Dylan Coughlin stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's Braden McNabb who leads the team in shot attempts on Saturday night. I'm telling where, where, Where'd that come from? I, so listen, I, I think that there's an aspect of Braden McNabb's game, especially offensively, that is never going to be, he's never going to be Shea Theodore or Alex Petrangelo or Brent Burns. But what I think we get out, what I think you get out of Braden McNabb is, is a very similar um, sneaky way that you get offense out of, say, Zach Whitecloud or, or Alec Martinez. He picks his spots. He's incredibly sure of what his jumping into the play is going to mean for everyone else on the ice. And there are opportunities that Braden McNabb has throughout the course of a season that you say, where in the heck did that come from? He jumps in. He reads the play incredibly well. Um, I think there's a little bit of, of that aspect of his game that's, that's maybe a bit underrated, and he doesn't get to it that often. But when he does, it makes you say, what the heck? Well, he made the hit on Rao. And Fantastic then hit. he had yep. uh, Oscar Sundquist in the trolley tracks yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. Those two plays in particular, it, it doesn't matter that that he kind of glanced off Sundquist. Yeah. The fact that he made the effort to that mm -hmm. hit yeah. on the heels of the Rao play in Minnesota puts him at the center of every opposition pregame video session. Watch out for number three. Love the way he plays. And he just makes you think about something else is potentially happening when you're coming down the ice, whether it's the hip check, the bummy check along the boards <laughs> that not too many people do anymore or through the center of the ice and being able to step up and make that play. He didn't get credit for a hit on that either. Really? I, I, Why? I'm still blown away. I kept checking all night. Refresh, refresh. Uh, oh. But... No, that that is huge just to make you think a little bit and a different he's the one guy that can really 
have that in his arsenal mm-hmm. where he's going to go out there and on, on the on the back end, Ryan Reeves, we can all can drill you uh, on a forecheck side. But on the on the defensive side, he's he's really got that whole part of the physical game. I wonder how that affects this game tonight against San Jose. I wonder if Braden McNabb lines somebody up. Hmm. What effect that has in terms of the rivalry, in terms of we'll what we have what we have anticipated all season long with with a little bit more temperature, a little bit more animosity within a game. I wonder what the presence of Braden McNabb in this game means for that. I, I think it's going to be a, a soft first period for momentum. Uh, and then Vegas is going to get better as the game goes along. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say it, it was like last week where it, it really went from zero to 60 by the end of it. Kilometers or miles per, miles per hour? hour. Okay. Miles per just, hour. Just That's why I use sure. 60. Okay, uh, I, I would have went zero to a hundred. Okay. Although the, the way they drive on the two fifteen sure. right yeah, now, I know I could have went zero to a hundred. Like yeah. I'm getting passed all over the place. I look down, I'm going eighty five. We well, need to drive faster. It's a little scary. You weren't going eighty five kilometers with the wind. No, no. Oh, okay. Miles per hour. Got it. No, uh, that's so speeding, Darren. We, I, I think it'll be a little bit of a, a slow, slow start, just coming off the the trip, and then go. And I was I was speedy. And I'm still getting past. Uh, and then we'll see how, how it uh, progresses throughout the game. How much they have to lean on, on Mark andre How much San Jose dictates or tries to dictate the yep. level of play tonight. Yep. And I'm looking forward to this one. The back, back here, fans, environment, it's, it's got the potential for a really good one. Jared wants you to break. Oh, he does? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he send us a note? Yes. All right. One-timers are coming up. Plus... Uh, We'll catch up with Jared Justice, the segment that usually goes to Chris Chapman, but uh, we're going to liven it up with uh, Double J today. It's Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show live from T-Mobile. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Uh, Here's a weird one for you. The... Los Angeles Kings game has been postponed against the St. Louis Blues. Yep. The Blues and Kings have been postponed because the LA Kings were snowed in Denver. It's an avalanche, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> ah, it's just uh, one of those ones where you're like, okay, uh, what? No, the, the, the Kings couldn't get out yeah. of Denver, yeah. and thus their game against the St. Louis Blues has been postponed. But weirdly... When I saw the postponement announcement, I was relieved when it was because of a blizzard, a snowstorm, yeah. and nothing to do with COVID. That's that's I'll, where we are. I'll take weather delays all, all day long. That's where we are right now. Uh, Lars Eller won't play against the Buffalo Sabres. They won't have uh, the uh, big man, Tom Wilson, as well. What are the chances that the Washington Capitals beat the Buffalo Sabres, who have dropped 10 straight? Uh, yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, Buffalo's just not very good. They're bad. And- Jack Eichel's not available. It's just, again, I don't know how many other ways to say this. The Buffalo Sabres make decisions that on paper logically make sense, and then it never works out. It is almost always the wrong decision every single time. I don't get it. Uh, Yaroslav Halak's making his fourth consecutive start, but Tuka Rask is back with the Boston Bruins. And on the St. Louis Blues front, 
Uh, they're, they're scheduled to play Wednesday against Los Angeles. Now Tyler Bozak and Jaden Schwartz could play. That'll be a big addition to that hockey club from a uh, veteran standpoint, just to, just to alleviate some of the scoring. They're, they're having a little bit of trouble uh, finding the back of the net, as uh, we saw on Saturday night. Now, I wanted to uh, ask you a question about uh, defensemen and oh. Norris Trophy candidates. Shoot, I wanted to talk about Boston being like right on the bubble of the playoffs. Oh, and that East Division. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of people are saying the Buffalo Sabres dismal performance is because they got put into the hardest division as opposed to skating with uh, against Ottawa and yeah. Montreal and Toronto uh, along that line. Do you buy it? No, they're just bad. Just bad. Yeah. Although but, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm taking a victory lap anytime soon, but I think Boston, don't sleep on my preseason prediction. That's all I'm saying. How many points out of first place are they? Ten. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't been able to score either beyond the perfection line. Weird how somebody pointed that out on this very show. I I thought they were getting better. Krejci and DeBrusque looked like they were they were back together, and, and it hasn't translated. Here, we'll get to the defenseman thing in just a second. Toronto, Winnipeg. Yeah. First, second in the North Division. Mm -hmm. Four points separation. Yeah. Islanders, Washington. Four point separation in the East. Carolina, Tampa Bay. One point in the Central. And in the West Division, Golden Knights and Wild, 37-35. The biggest lead anybody has for top spot in one of their leagues, divisions, leagues, yep. is four points. Closer than you thought? You surprised somebody isn't running away with it? Uh, I mean, Toronto Toronto was mm -hmm. until they weren't, right? Like, that's that's the interesting thing. I thought that uh, I thought Toronto was was going to just make it make it really clear that they were going to win that division. It's not the case right now. Uh, the Islanders. It's amazing to me how how differently things are for the for the New York Islanders right now as to, as as to where they were just three four weeks ago. That team is on an absolute tear. Uh, but no, I'm not particularly surprised that that we're kind of in this 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 area this this weird space where three four team, three three or four points is really all that's separating the top two teams in a division because you're playing the same teams over and over and over again there's uh, over again there's bound to be those those four point games those extra points that kind of add up over the course of time you want to talk about one of the great breaks in hockey new jersey one win in their last 10 one win they're playing the islanders yesterday yeah. new jersey in overtime wins it pk suban and it's a celebration uh-oh challenge for offside uh. and by the small i i cannot believe they reverse it because by the smallest of margin got to get it right offside yeah they go to a shootout and no goal the islanders end up coming back and, and winning that game i'm glad we talked about boston possibly yeah. missing the playoffs. i uh i'm gonna gloat every time i can I'm not, I'm not sure about the, that at the end of the day. So here's the Norris Trophy contenders. Victor Hedman, yep. Jeff Petrie, John Carlson, Tyson Berry, Morgan Riley. Those are your top five point producers among defensemen. That That's a different group. I mean, good on Tyson Berry yeah. for putting up huge points this year. Uh, Morgan Riley has played great for Toronto. But then the next group is Hughes, Neil Pionk, Winnipeg, Drew Doughty, Dougie Hamilton, and Darnell Nurse. I, 
I don't know who's going to win this thing. Hedman should. I think it's, I mean, Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the game right now. But how do you judge the, the, the best defenseman in the National Hockey League uh-huh. yeah. when nobody's really, when you've got four different leagues, makes uh-huh. it, that's as difficult as any position to pick the year-end award winner. Like Jeff Petrie, I still can't believe Edmonton traded him. And he, is, he has been Montreal's best defenseman for a couple of years. Uh, ben Sherratt, by the way, gone with a broken hand. Injured, broke it in a fight against JT Miller tonight. There's yeah. no reason to fight. Yeah, not. Well, go, go, give me, give me the, the list of the top, the top uh, echelon there. Okay, your top five point producers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of move in and out a couple of other names. But your top five point producers are Hedman. And it's not just for points, but yeah. we'll do yeah. this for argument's sake. Hedman, Petrie. John Carlson, who was a finalist last year with Washington and had the thing won with his first half. Yeah. And it got back, given back. Tyson Berry, Morgan Riley. Significant. Nobody so there from Colorado. Three. There's no Theodore or Petrangelo in there. And three three of those defensemen play in the North Division where points are handed out like candy. Oh, um, one of the best lines I've heard, Gary Lawless today. Ooh, when we were hanging out at the uh, at the office, is this going to make an appearance on Lawless and Order? I it might. It should. If if it hasn't yet, okay. if he doesn't, then okay. bring it up. Yep. He said there's there's yet to be a body check thrown in the North Division. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 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 not entirely wrong. He might be right there uh, on that front. But that you're you're even if you just go top ten in points. Yeah. You got to think you're 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 three finalists or four finalists if they decide to go. I don't know. Route. I don't have arbitrary cutoff numbers, so <laughs> you that's, don't. That's yeah, not something that, was, that I do. That was fair. But she, Shea Theodore's seventeenth. Uh, Sergachev is sixteenth. Latang had good good runs uh, at points this year. Uh, is is fourteenth. Roman Yossi's twenty second, but he's. Uh, they're having a terrible season. It's it's a different for, year. As uh, and when you talk about this this Champions League that we've got going, yeah, that is that is tough. Hedman may win it just because he's the one name where go people go. Yes, uh, for my money, he's the best defenseman in this league. It goes beyond just points. He he is able to take control of the game. You know that when Victor Hedman is on the ice, it is incredibly difficult to score. And he defends incredibly well. I think everybody can agree that he is the best defenseman in the league. And right now, when you don't have the ability to see how other defensemen would fare against all the other teams in the league, I think you kind of fall back on on the safe pick. I I would go if like if I had to vote on it right now, it would be Victor Hedman, and that's where I would I would land. Who's the best team in the NHL's Discover Central Division? Carolina, Tampa, or Florida? Uh, 41 points, and then the other two are at 40. So this is hard because I really like Carolina. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, I'm not going to go against the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, though. Like I, I just I look at that team. I look at what they were able to accomplish in the bubble. I think about how much better they can be once the playoffs start if they get Nikita Kucherov back. Like that's the other thing. Tampa's this good without Kucherov, right? Like they're this good. Without Kucherov, they don't have to go. Kucherov, and and they don't have to go out and and look for something at the trade deadline because they're this good without Nikita Kucherov, and he should be back by the playoffs. So I don't I don't know how you can go with a team other than Tampa because they've got a wild card in Nikita Kucherov. Alexander Ovechkin, 
goes into tonight's action with 760 or 716 goals. It's pretty good. 716 goals. It's pretty good. He is one behind Phil Esposito for sixth spot. Does Alexander Ovechkin playing the Buffalo Sabres tonight jump to number two all-time in goals scored? <laughs> That's, that's ah, the kind you of year. You weren't expecting that's, that, were you? That's, that's the kind of year it's been for Buffalo. Yeah, well, let's go. Why not? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, is, it is bizarre. I don't know what they do there, but uh, they continue to be fascinating to watch. Those are your one-timers for this Monday, March on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. All the VGK talk you can handle. This is Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace getting ready for the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights here at T-Mobile Arena. First game in the season series between these two clubs at T-Mobile this year, and just under 4,000 people will attend tonight's game, the biggest crowd of the season. The other two previous crowds were 15% capacity. We're up to 20% tonight, so looking forward to that. And the San Jose Sharks uh, in a bit of a, what do you call it, a reset. Not a rebuild, mm -hmm. a reset. Yep. General Manager Doug Wilson uh, met with the media on the weekend and termed it with that, uh, that slight... Mm, edge of rebuild but didn't quite want to go there okay. didn't want and eric carlson said that uh he did not sign to go through a rebuild or go what he did uh, went through in 10 years with the ottawa senators but it is what it is and he thinks that they have to find a way to build around the core group that they have here and figure out how to be competitive in the upcoming years how close do you think the san jose sharks are to actually competing for a playoff spot over an 82-game season? I think they're probably a year at least away. Go two years. Uh, it's really tough, right? Like, I, you assume that everything's going to be aligned as, as we've – as close to normal as possible next season. Seattle's coming in, so you would, you would have to think that, that San Jose is better than Seattle. Boy, if Seattle can take one of their big contracts yeah. off San Jose's hands, yeah. one uh, of those big three on the blue line, yeah. I don't know whether they ever will. Uh, but I mean, Or if you can sweeten the pot to, to get Seattle, hey, take this, right. somehow find a way. Right. I, 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 think they're, I think they're a little ways away. I don't think they're there next season. And really what they're able to do and, and maybe what they're able to, to have come off the books with Seattle coming into the league changes that a bit but I, I think it's going to be a little bit for San Jose. Is Vegas better than you thought they were going to be at this point of the season? Mm, this is about what I expected them to be. And, and I'll tell this you. This is excellent. I'll tell you why. Because coming into this season, what did we hear? What did we hear from everybody? This is a team that expects to win the Stanley Cup. 18-6-1 is spectacular. Well, I'm telling you, when, when you have those expectations, I expect you to come out and deliver. And that's what the Golden Knights have done all season long. They've been fantastic. They've been better than I thought. They are who they, are who they say they are. And I think that's, that's the key for me they is this is a team that, that expects to win, and they're doing everything on the ice to get those wins. They're proving... They are, without a doubt, a legitimate contender in this league. We have another San Jose Shark dancing on the players' bench. Yeah, we do. 
Yep. Uh, let's catch up with Jared Justice, who takes the role of Chris Chapman on this Monday edition of the VGK Insider Show. Jared, how are you? I'm awake. How are you guys? It's positive. That's good. I mean, you know, I'll never be able to replace Chris Chapman for you guys. Did you just wake up now? I mean, no, I think I've been awake this whole time. I mean, if you check your text messages, you'll just see the word break texted about 15 times. How come when I took a break last block, you didn't roll anything? (laughs) Because uh, that's that's if you'll notice, I'll also put like times next to it. And well, so by the meant? time we hit that break, we're just we had gotten to the point where you guys had been had been shaking off yeah. like like Lelouch. You've been yeah, no, I was gonna say like a donkey that was just mad at something. Jared, we're just not used to this level of I communication. Thought those, were, those were Bible verses. I, I didn't know what you were talking about, you being all religious. Yes, yes. The atheist Jew has has come here to uh, you know, inform you of the good word. Uh <laughs> Okay, so I get a couple questions, and we got about two minutes left, so I'm going to get them in quickly. First of all. He tells us the clock, too. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I asked Ryan the Hockey Guy Wallace about that game that you did for the Silver Knights where there was just a massive punch-up on the ice. It had, like, seven fights in it. And he answers me with a, yes, that's pretty much how AHL games are. Sometimes. What? No, but Sometimes. I'm saying, like, I'm bringing up, there were, like, nine fights. At one point, there was a fight on the screen, and another fight entered the frame and exited the frame, yep. and they didn't cut away from the fight they were already on. And he's just like, yeah, you know what? that's fine. Um, unless, unless it's a goalie fight, the rule of thumb among producers is and directors, more directors, is you don't leave the fight that you start with. Unless it's a goalie fight. If it's a goalie fight, was, you go. Okay, but there was just a guy who just like came in and was just like, yeah. I want some. And he just starts throwing haymakers and he just like exits Love frame it. right. I want some. What's your next question? Do you have separate like <laughs> do, in your in your cup holder, Ryan, you have to back you have to you you have to tell me your guess on this. Uh-huh. Do you believe that Milzy has in his cup holder a bunch of silver knight pins and gold knight pins so that whenever he's running between the two uh ah you know what's funny about that question today hold on i need ryan's guess we got like 40 seconds ryan does he have a cup holder full of pins for his lapel yeah probably i i don't but i carry them in my briefcase but today i had to sw- the last time i wore the suit i'm wearing right now was for a henderson silver knight game and it had the henderson pin on it and I had to switch it out for the VGK pin. So you're not far from I want to see you that. make that mistake one day. It'll happen. Love you, Darren. Love you, too. Uh, Jared. Millsy. It's not Millsy. It's Mallard. What? Those maroons in the morning. I don't, I don't Love you, Millsy. We got 10 seconds. Later, Millsy. Insider show gives way to the Vegas Golden Knights pregame show on Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Sharks, and Knights next.